Hey weirdos, this is your host Shelton Williams and today I'm going to go ahead and upload an episode uh, for you and this episode that that you're going to be listening to was recorded last night, June 16, 2020 and this episode was supposed to be released next week. I was going to release it next week, but I, after listening to the recording, I think that this episode is too important to wait a week for. And so the episode that I was going to post this week, I'm going to release that as a bonus episode for you guys to listen to in our Facebook group. So if you are not um, in our Facebook group, go ahead and search for it on the Weird Pastors Kid um, podcast. Go ahead and look for it, and I'll be releasing a bonus episode in that group sometime this week. Um, but definitely want to thank you guys so much for listening and being um, loyal listeners. And I hope you guys have yourself a wonderful rest of your day. Welcome to another installment of the Weird Pastors Kid podcast. I am your humble, gracious, and highly favored host, Shelton Williams, here with a few of my nearest and dearest friends. Pastor Xavier is here. Educator, activist, Deshaun McKenzie is here. We have police officer DJ Davis here for us as well. And what what I love is we have four Black men here with four different perspectives on a lot of the things that are going on in this country today. And... So I really want, first, before we even get started, I want to ask you guys, man, how, how's your mental health right now? Because I feel like that's a question that is needed. Um, how are you guys feeling? Um, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I've been not in a good place mentally. Mm. Not in a good place mentally. But I don't want to take up all of our time talking about that. So just, it's, it's been a rough ride. I'll say that. Anyone else been feeling the same way? A little bit. For me, I've been emotionally exhausted. I ain't gonna lie to you. Uh, I've been I've been uh, educating too many people for too long. My my brother says I've been doing this too much for the free. My brother says I need to start paying people for how I'm educating them. Um, as, I, as I told you with Xavier, I was like, I'm out. I'm out the free education game. Either, <laughs> ca- either cash at me or Google, because I can't. <laughs> I get paid to teach. I ain't teaching you. I ain't teaching you on Facebook for free. I can't do it, <laughs> especially if you want to come on and argue. That that ain't teaching. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. Oh, uh, uh, bro, I didn't want to say that because I've been. That's that's been like the thing this week that's been really annoying me, bro. And then when you don't want to talk about it, people have been having the audacity to get mad at me, bro. But I'm gonna yeah. say that for. I'm gonna say that for another time. Yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna take it. I do want to throw out there though, my mental health wise, I've actually been kind of solid because I've been like do I. I've been trying to do what a professor told me a few years ago to do, which was like, like be mad, but don't be like on the internet mad where you're just gonna be like mad all the time and burning out. Yeah. You're trying to do stuff. So I actually went to, they actually formed here in Pensacola a uh, coalition called the Gulf Coast, sorry, the Central Gulf Coast People's Council, CGCP. Is the initials were annoying to say. Yeah. But yeah. basically, it's like a coalition of a bunch of different leftist organizations, like one that does like free food for people, one that like bails out black moms. One that's like the Socialist League, like which is basically they have they actually, they actually have a nationally running candidate for president, which I didn't know. Oh, wow. So like, I'm in one org, and there's like four or five others that joined up. Well, one's like a pro, a trans LGBTQ organization. Okay. But we had well, they had their first meeting last week, and I was yeah. like, "Yo, I didn't know how many people in this city, you know, thought like I thought, and were doing the work that I want to do." So that that got me excited because it's like, all right, there's places for me to put my hands in. You know what I mean? Rather exactly. than just going on Facebook being pissed off every day. Bro, I love that. I love that, man. Well, I, I want to I say, like, 
mind if I could clarify real quick. It wasn't necessarily about this because, you know, I'm sure we'll get to the point about seeing like what kind of action we all been getting involved in lately. Other than that, mine's been more directed toward church stuff. So that I just want to clarify that point. Not necessarily with this. We've been proactive on this. The invitation has been with the church people. Got you, got you. No, no, no. You good. Good good to mention that. Clarify that. Uh, now, DJ, man, I am actually was I, uh, I'm going to tell you this first on mic. I should have told you this earlier, but I can tell you. No, it's all good, man. You sent me um, a podcast to listen to um, by some police officers. And uh, I listened to it like, actually yesterday. We listened to it last night. And um, I know a lot of police officers, black, white, whatever. They just, I know that they're a lot of mental. They got a lot of, they've been exhausted a lot lately. Um, and we're going to probably address, actually I am. I'm going to address it. That's a question I'm going to ask you um, as well a little bit later in the podcast. But like, man, how you been feeling as a police officer, man? Because you mean F12 is everywhere right now. I'm not going to uh, lie to you. Yeah, it, it is, man. And I mean, what what makes it worse for me for people who don't know, I tore my ACL back in November. So since November, I've been doing like desk stuff and whatnot. So I haven't been able to be out there with my brothers while they're going through all this stuff. So that really, you know, just like mentally, uh, I don't know, it just, it, it really just jacks with you mentally, man. And, uh, you know, I've had to just jump off of Facebook, you know, stay off of social media, because I'm like, bro, I can't, I'm just like, I can't do this right now. You know, I don't, I, you know, like I'm, I'm looking for positive uplifting things a lot of times, especially during stuff like this. And so, you know, you hop on and it's like, okay, everyone's arguing about whatever. And I'm just like, man, I can't, I can't do this right now. You know? So it's, it's gotten better since I've been off social media and stuff like that. But I mean, it's, I don't know, man, it, it's rough. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, so it's a little bit somber, okay? We all been feeling a little somber this week a little bit, you know, but except for Deshaun. Deshaun feels great. He feels awesome. <laughs> you know, he found people that he can connect with, you know what I'm saying, feeling great. Um, but, to, you know, I want to just jump right into it, man. So we're going to talk about Colin Kaepernick. And for, if you're not, I mean, if you've been under a rock, okay, the last few years, you might not know who he is. But essentially, Colin Kaepernick, is, you know, was an NFL, former NFL player who, while he was playing, like the last year of him, I think, uh, officially playing, he was protesting, you know, um, every Sunday <laughs> against police brutality, against black people and people of color. Um, he took a knee, you know, during the national anthem, um, pretty much having the sentiment that until the flag stands for all, he's, he won't stand at all. And so, but during all that, there was a lot of criticism of Colin Kaepernick and his movement, the things he was doing, taking a knee. Um, and some of the criticism, I'm going to be honest, was a little bit all over the place. I mean, some people were like, man, how dare Colin Kaepernick, you know, care about injustice. Some people were like, man, um, he shouldn't protest because, man, he's a biracial kid who was adopted by a rich white family. So, man, why, what, you know, why should he, you know, um, be protesting at all? Um, some were saying Colin's a millionaire. I mean, one person wrote this, a multimillionaire NFL player complaining about oppression in America. Unbelievable. Right. It's what someone wrote. Now, this statement, like I said, reveals more about the person that, that actually said that statement than anything that Colin Kaepernick had to say. Because that statement is revealing that to that person that if they were rich, they would not care about people that were oppressed. And if we're going to be honest, that's pretty much the case of everyone now. I mean, you, billionaires may have us in these, may have ownership in these companies and might have sent all of us emails that Black Lives Matter. But I mean, are there any action plans in their companies? I mean, do do the nation represent their management board? I would say I highly doubt it. I'm just saying. So for a lot of times, 
there are rich people who just don't care about the oppressed. But at the same time, is that the way that things should be? And also, just because you're rich don't mean you that you're not going to get oppressed. Just because you're rich don't mean you... I think a lot of times people think that you can success your way out of, out of racism. And trust me, that is not the case. Um, but needless to say, this is what someone felt at that particular time. And so the criticism, but the biggest criticism that Colin Kaepernick faced was people that were saying that Colin Kaepernick was disrespecting the flag, he was disrespecting the country, and he was disrespecting our military. Um, I listened to a couple of um, uh, videos back in 2016 and 2017 from Fox News just to be interested, just to see how they were rallying up their base with Colin Kaepernick. And boy, I was like, goodness who is calling Kevin did he murder anyone on that side or something like goodness but the the way that they were talking about it, I found very interesting but Drew Brees started spitting out the the talking points of Fox News when he said that you know what Colin Kaepernick and he didn't say him by name but he was saying that kneeling for the anthem that that was disrespectful to the flag and to our military and black people everywhere was ticked off. Black, he had people that were uh, working with him that was mad. All the stuff just ticked off. And I want to ask you, Deshaun, here, man. I want to ask you, why were black people and why were some of the black teammates and black players in the NFL, Stephen Jackson, who actually is a former NBA player, weighed in on it? Why were so many black people ticked off hearing Drew Brees say, man, I, you know, I'm not for disrespecting the flag on the military? I mean, the the really short version of it is the flag doesn't stand for me. Like, if you're black, I, I, and I, I mean this sincerely, you know, if to anybody listening, I know you got a lot of <laughs> listeners who are not of my ilk. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're, when I see an American flag in my neighborhood, I just think I don't want to talk to that person. Or if mm -hmm. I'm driving through, like, a certain area and I see hella American flags, I'm like, don't pull over. It might, I might as well see a Confederate flag. And I mean that mm -hmm. sincerely. People who, like, super love the flag are usually racist. Like, it, it's not, I'm not saying it's a fact. I'm just saying there's a correlation that I see. Mm -hmm. People who, like, obsess over the value of America and, like, America's the greatest, we're number one. Like, those people usually have a really limited, like, worldview. Their worldview is limited to the United States. They don't know people from other places. They haven't been other places. So to Black Americans who get treated like garbage here, that flag don't mean nothing to me. Like, we got, better, we got veterans in our families, too. And they came back from war and they got spit on. They get treated like garbage, so they got beaten by police, too. I, I was talking to y'all earlier, like, part of the reason the civil rights movement started, there's actually a real, like, direct line is black soldiers came back. They went to France and got treated like kings, like, because they, they were freeing the French from German, like, from, like, Nazi uh, rule when they took over France. So they were over there. There's a comedian. I'm not going to quote him directly because he cussed the country. He was like, they was over there. Uh, I think Dave Spell actually made the point. He was like, black soldiers were over there, you know, effing white women. <laughs> Just having a good old time, having money, being treated like kings. They came back over here and can't get a milkshake at the lunch counter. Like, so it's like, what does that flag mean to me? Muhammad Ali said, like, why should I, when he protested going to war and like ended up getting arrested for it, he was like, why am I going to go kill a bunch of brown people over in Vietnam when they ain't done nothing to me? When over here, I get called the N-word. Y'all hate me. They don't hate me. They don't have no issue with me. So, I mean, and I'm, obviously, y'all know, y'all heard me say I'm a leftist, I'm anti-imperialist, I don't like the American military very much, I think we do a lot of nonsense overseas. So, I'm, I don't think a lot of black people are super pro-military, and a lot of them aren't super pro-America, because America, we're not part of this, like, American ethos thing that we do. Black people join the military because they can get free college and they get a check. And it's not, 
like it's not shade to them. Yeah, they're yeah. doing what they got to do to come up. So, I like that. I mean, I, I like that perspective. I mean, you, that's what I'm saying. This is why you get on the Weird Passage Kid podcast to hear a different perspective than what you listen to on Fox News. Okay, so listen to something different. All right, listen to something a little bit different. Okay, now, now DJ, I gotta ask you this, man. As a police officer, you over here, you saw um, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee for police brutality. Okay. And against my black people, man, black people and minorities. Okay. I, I can, I should have pulled the quote up. I had it up here, but I took it off, but pretty much he, that's why he was doing it. So I want to ask you, how did you feel about what he was protesting about and also how he was protesting? All right. I want to hear from your perspective. Oh, well, I mean, when it, when everything first kicked off, you know, and, and he was kneeling and, and all that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I understand police brutality happens. Uh, I think you'd be an idiot to be hiding under a rock somewhere to say that it doesn't happen because it does. Um, but at the time, I know for me, I didn't really – I got the protest, but the way that he did it in kneeling, I wasn't a super fan of. And, you know, that's just because, like, for me – both of my parents were in the Air Force, did full careers in the Air Force. I grew up on military bases where, you know, at, at five o'clock, hey, anthem comes on and, you know, that's just what we do, you know. And, uh, you know, just growing up, learning like, okay, when the anthem's playing, find the flag, face it, hand over your heart, uh, you know, having that sort of respect. And for me, you know, it, it always just felt like the two things that, seem to bring people together regardless of what your race was, religion, whatever. It's like sports and the anthem. And I know that's not the case. You know, I know that there are plenty of people out there who don't feel like, you know, America really is for them or whatnot. But I know for me, I grew up feeling like it was. So the flag, you know, it, 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 it meant something to me, you know. Um, but once again, you know, I'm, it's not that I was against his protesting because, uh, especially as a police officer, I think people should protest. You know, if there's something that you have a grievance with, that's your First Amendment right to protest. And I'm here to protect you as you exercise that First Amendment right. So I don't have to agree with what you're protesting necessarily, but I'll make sure that you have the right to, you know, have your voice and do that. Um, you know, but I don't have to like the way that you protest doesn't really matter. You know, I, you protest how you want to. And, uh, you know, I'll support your right to do that. And, uh, you know, recently, I, the take that I've had when it comes to the kneeling thing, because um, I was just listening to different podcasts and stuff like that. And like from a, I heard it from another police officer standpoint, his idea was basically like, whether you agree with the kneeling or not, you know, there are a lot of people right now who are wanting officers to kneel and protest with them, you know, during all the protests for George Floyd and whatnot. And the way that he put it, he was like, you know, kneeling's not that big of a deal. One, you kneel, you know, when I proposed to my wife, got down on one knee. When you pray, you get down on knees. Um, and I know even Colin Kaepernick went and asked the Navy SEAL and he was like, yeah, to show respect, a lot of times we kneel. You know, that's a sign of respect. It's not a sign of disrespect. Um, so basically if my community needs to see some type of physical representation that, you know, regardless of 
whether we agree or not, I stand with you and I'm here to protect you and serve you. If, if kneeling conveys that to them, or at least supporting their right to do that, regardless of how I feel about it, you know, that, that goes a long way. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Got you, got you, got you. So I want to ask, um, man, there's a little bit, man, I feel like I need to have a little bit of pushback, just a tad, just a tad on that, just a tad. Um, but I'm going to ask you, Xavier, to probably give me a little bit of this. Um, when you hear people talk about, you know, people kneeling and it's, and it's like, you know, and, it, and it, it, it upsets people because it's about the military and everything like that. But yet you hear something like that Deshaun was mentioning about black people just, I mean, one, not really feeling like the flag really means anything. Well, not say anything, but doesn't doesn't really represent like all that it's supposed to be, right? Um, but at the same time, the real reason, like the, the initial reason why Colin Kaepernick was even protesting was just to say like, man, police has been, you know, impacting the black community and people of color for so long. How do you marry some of these ideas where you don't want to, you don't want to seem disrespectful, but at the same time, you don't want it to, you don't want like, uh, to, you don't want to basically, you don't want to be like a, a washed up person being like, Oh, I want to, I want to appease everybody, make everyone's nice. But at the same time, it's like, I want to protest how I protest. Why does it matter? Because this is the thing that, that a lot of people I, I have questions about is everyone wa wants to say that it was the wrong way to protest, but not a lot of people have comes back and says, what's the right way to protest. Right. But let me ask you, Xavier, though, how do you feel about some of these kind of ideas that we're discussing? Let me just say real quick, just about him kneeling. Like, if you look at the way that he did it, he tried to figure out the most respectful way for him to do it possible. He could have done. He could have been super disrespectful about it. He could have sat in the grass and picked grass up off the ground. And y'all ever did that? Sit in the grass and then he just picked the leaves off. He could have been that and just not paid attention. Picked his nails. No, nah, he he. He went and found out from military officials and said, hey, what's the most respectful way that I can get my point across? And, and he did that. And it's just, to me, it's just backwards because I hear that all the time. Well, I'm for people protesting, but they can't protest peacefully. You know what I'm saying? Then they shouldn't do it. And it's like when they protested peacefully, you know what I'm saying? It was ignored or it was, it was shoved down. So it's, it's a really like a big attack, I guess, on people's comfortability. Um, but the reason why I liked Kaepernick's kneel um, was just because he did it on a, on a form where people would see it. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't meant, again, he tried to do it in the most respectful way possible. He wasn't trying to like disrespect America. He wasn't trying to disrespect the flag. He was trying to say, hey, here's a problem and no one's listening. So now that all of your eyes are on me, great. I'm going to go ahead and just do this single action that can say, and to be honest, his, it worked. It worked. It got the conversation going. People were talking about why he did it. Well, this is the reason why he did it. And it spurred conversation. Now, of course, like not a whole lot of like tangible change came from it, like right off the bat. But it got the it helped get the ball rolling uh, for even more people to 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 kneel and get the people start. You know, the point of it was awareness. Like we're doing this because there is a big problem happening, um, and it's viewed by a people group, and the people group is hurting. So we're doing this is just to get your attention. If I if I am someone, it's like this. 
um, my wife and I, spoiler alert, my wife and I watched a show called Little Fires Everywhere, right? We watched a show called Little Fires Everywhere with Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington. And it got to a point where like, this is one point in, the, in it where like the mom just loved her house uh, so, so much. And, and she loved her house so, so much. And uh, she loved having the family in there and all this other stuff. Well, the kids were talking about how just like the house is all together and everything, but everything that surrounds the house is really bad. The people are treated badly. The ideologies that are presented from the house are really badly. And so in order to get the mom's attention, the daughter burns the house down. Right? You know what I'm saying? So you might say a little extreme, but guess what happened? It got her mom's attention. You and she got a whooping. So I'm just playing. Go ahead. Another spoiler, she ran away. They don't know where the girl's at. Anyway, um, <laughs> she burned. that's not the point, Ovi. That's not the point. The point of it was they do, they do it in a place where it's big enough for people to see it. It's big, enough, it's big enough for people to see it. And so to be honest, as you kind of bring it full circle, people try to figure out, like, what's the best way? What's the right way? But there really isn't going to be a way to do it where someone doesn't take offense to it someone's always no matter which way you do it because i laugh at people honestly well they don't, they're protesting and rioting and they're burning stuff down and, but when he just he was he even he didn't even say like hey everyone i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna take a knee and you know no one you know everyone look at me I'm, he just it just got down did his thing didn't say a word you know what i'm saying and that to me that's the definition of like as peaceful as it could get you know what i'm saying as peaceful i mean literally no words now, of course, the questions were asked post-game, right, about what that was all about. But in the middle, he didn't draw any attention to himself. He didn't make a big, you know, debacle about what was going on. He just took his knee. Like, that was, that's the epitome of protest, to where literally it was silent. You know what I'm saying? And then even in that regard, because here's I'm, – I'm, I'm on the side of it where, like, America is – America is a great nation. It really is a great nation, and it's a, it's a big superpower in the world. Um, and so I, I don't know how it would look to just completely destroy the whole country. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if I'm, if I'm for that camp, if I'm that far into it uh, on that way. But there definitely needs to be change that has to happen. And there might be smaller systems that need to be broken down and rebuilt, you know, in order for it to, in order for it to, um, to work properly. But, you know, with all that being said, bro, I think that no, there's no way to do it right. I think in, as an individual, as you protest, you try to do it the, way, the best way you can do it to get your point across without having, because to me, this is, the riots and all that stuff, shutting down highways, all of that stuff are amplified versions of protests because the more simple ones did not work. Yeah. And so what you got to do to get your voice, so when, so when people listen to me, they got to like, y'all got to, y'all listening, you got to address your bias. Right. And be like, why are they doing this? Well, for the 19th trillionth time, when we took a lot more smaller steps, there was no there was no reaction to it. It was laughed off. It was scoffed at because it wasn't it was against the American way. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and because of that, so it's like, all right, well, y'all still not listening. Let's turn the oven up a little bit. Let's turn the oven up a little bit. Let's turn the oven up a little bit. Well, now things are starting to happen, but the country had to be on fire for that to happen. And so you got to really ask yourself, whose fault is that? So See, here's the thing that's crazy with me is that, like, when it comes to protesting, I think people forget that protesting is supposed to make you uncomfortable. And I think what happens is, and I've said this before, I said this on Sunday to the, the um, teams that, that we on a Zoom call, is like, 
God cares more about your character than you being comfortable. And I think for some, some of us, bro, we just, comfortability is an idol. And so whenever our comfortability gets shaken by any means, like, let me ask Deshaun, the, 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 you know, history, history dude, right? What's, were the, were the sit-ins comfortable, bro? Bro, they were so uncomfortable that they poured milkshakes on people's heads. Like people mm-hmm. just, all they did was sit at a counter. Yeah. Didn't say nothing, didn't bother nobody. People came in and punched folks. People came in and poured milkshakes. Um, I forget his name. He's a, he's a, a congressman now, but he was, uh, John Lewis. He, he marched with MLK. Like he was, he was the next, he, he was like, they called him mini MLK in his time. Cause he was like the college kid who was kind of like MLK's uh, apprentice. He said, he was like, cops punched me in the face for taking a knee, for being on my knees, for praying. Cause he's a Christian. Like, yeah. It, like, like protests aren't, if it's comfortable, then it doesn't do anything. Yeah. If, it's, if it's comfortable, it's, it's a social media post. It's some likes on Facebook. Like that's not the same thing as spurring change. Yeah. And also like it's, it, it, it could be a rally, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not what it's, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Like you mentioned one time to Sean that like, you can talk to the listeners about this, about the people that protested and they were in the middle of the street, I think in Pensacola on a bridge and yeah. it made people upset. Like, oh my soul, these people are just annoying me. Right. And, they, and it was like, what, eight minutes? But yeah. Eight, eight, yeah, it was, it was the time, it was the amount of time that George Floyd was being, had, had, an, had a knee on his neck. Eight minutes, yeah. 46 seconds, blocking a bridge. And someone drove through the crowd and people were, the same people who I watched be under the graffiti bridge page or under the the local newspaper page be like, well, Pensacola knows how to do it right. You know, we're protesting peacefully because we're not burning stuff down. As soon as someone inconvenienced you for nine minutes, so you were were cool with someone driving through a crowd and they literally hit somebody and carry the dude across the bridge. That bridge is three miles long. That dude didn't get off the car for three miles. Wow. If someone hit me with a car and carried me for three miles, when that car stops, I'm whooping his behind. Yeah. yeah. That, that's not going to end peacefully. Yeah. But that's how much people were angry at like nine minutes of inconvenience. So that tells me that all their, you know, oh, protest peacefully, like you're doing it the right way. That's all nonsense. They, they just want to not be bothered. Yeah. Yeah. They just don't want to be inconvenienced. Like, man, you can't inconvenience me. The minute you start inconveniencing an American, that's the worst thing you can do. I mean, the, we we crave on convenience. That's why we got to gro- you can get groceries delivered to your your house. You can get food delivered to your house because everything is about being comfortable and convenient. So when you cut off that convenience, no matter what it is, people can get upset about that. And I think that America cares more about being comfortable than they do about their character. And when your characters, we start, we starting to poke America's character and revealing that, hey, y'all, y'all got some screwed up stuff here, okay? Y'all been ruining some stuff. Y'all been destroying lives. And so, as Colin Kaepernick, man, has been kneeling for police brutality against Black people and people of color, on this show, we're going to be discussing police brutality. And in Atlanta, we had a situation where the country had to ask the question, is this a case of police brutality? Now, Rashad Brooks fell asleep. We, for some of y'all may not know the story. He fell asleep in his car at a Wendy's drive-thru. After a Wendy's employee attempted to wake him up with, with no avail, the employee called the police. The officer tried to, you know, officer, you know, woke him up. It took him a little while, woke him up, had him park the car in um, a parking lot. Uh, the guy falls asleep again. So the police has to go ahead and try to wake him up, eventually call him back up. Um, they run a sobriety test on him. He admits he's been drinking. Of course, he fails it. Um, but essentially, as they are attempting to lock him up, right, they said, well, actually, before I go there, he was asked if he could just lock his car 
in the parking lot and just walk home. He's like, man, I, I can just walk home. I can do this. We see all that going on. Um, but the police officers attempted to arrest him. He resisted. He fought the police officer. Um, uh, the police officer tried to, you know, tase him. He steals the taser from him. He runs and attempts to, um, you know, you know, kind of looking back a little bit, go ahead and try to, you know, tase the officer with the gun or, the, you know, the stun gun with the taser he had in his, on his, in his hand. Um, but, and as he's running away, the officer shoots him twice in the back, which ends up leading to his death. Now, Deshaun, I'm going to ask you this question. Who's the most to blame? Is it the system, the police officer, or Rashad Brooks? Who's the most to blame? And I'll lead it, you know, lead it to you. Um, that's tough. I'm going to say the system, not the officers individually, because I think that this, this is a culture thing. This is, this is why I'm a police abolitionist. This is why I'm anti-prisons, anti-police. Like, this is why I think the institution itself can't be reformed, is there's a fundamental belief, like, the, the approach to situations just doesn't make sense to me. Like, because I, I even read, this is under one of Xavier's Facebook statuses, that wasn't even saying the guy was in the right, you know what I mean, the man who was shot. Somebody was like, well, you know, officers are trained to shoot at center of mass, blah, blah, blah. You know, Xavier, I'm sure you saw, I know you saw that comment because you replied to it. I'm not gonna say who did it because Shelton knows who, <laughs> knows who they are too, but it's you know that just that comment like well police officers are trained to shoot at center of mass well then police officers are trained poorly I don't know what you want me to tell you because I'm gonna be keeping a buck I'm I'm as a non-Christian on the podcast I've been drunk I I drunk drove two weeks ago was it responsible absolutely not was it a very stupid decision 100 percent did I make it home safely yes did it, the next morning was I like wow what a stupid decision I shouldn't have done that. 100%. But when you're drunk, you make stupid decisions. I've, I've, been, I've been drunk more than once in the last two weeks. I was on vacation. And I made a bad choice. And all my friends reprimanded me the next morning and were like, yo, why'd you do that? You, we thought you went to bed. And I was like, I, honestly, this is going to sound ridiculous to your listeners. I was hungry. I wanted to go get food. And instead of walking down to the kitchen at my friend's house and making something to eat, my drunk brain was like, well, no one's going to see me leave. I'm, I'm good to drive. I wasn't good to drive. And it was, a, like I said, it was a big mistake. And I'm not proud of myself. I think it was very, st- I felt bad about it for days because I was like, what if I would have crashed? And it was like four in the morning. No, no cars in the road. I'm not going to hit no kid or anything. I'm so bad at you, bro. Because I thought that you, I thought, damn, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to text you afterwards because I'm mad at All you. Right. That's fine. But no, like I, I was like, I wasn't going to hit no kid on the road at 4 a.m. But I made a bad decision. I was like, I could have gotten hurt. I could have hurt somebody else. But n- the crime of drinking and driving doesn't warrant a death, a death sentence. I've been drunk and like left somewhere and been like, well, I have no one to pick me up, but I, you know, I don't want to leave my car here. And just because it's like, I think I know in Florida, if you have the keys on you, if you get in the car, like even if they're not in the ignition, it's you're considered a driver. So you can still be arrested for drunk driving. So what you have legally, they tell you to put your keys in the trunk. So it's like, they're not accessible to you. And then when you wake up, you'll get them, which I've done. I've literally taken a nap for an hour. Cause I was like, look, I drank too much. I shouldn't be driving. There's no one here who's also sober to come get me. You know, my friend has a ride. I don't. Well, I'm going to have to just throw keys in the trunk. But if, if someone found me in my car like that and I ended up dead, that's ridiculous to me. Because, again, the, the guy fought off the officers. Bad decision. Drunk decision. But bad decision. But it's like it shouldn't have ended with two bullets in your back. And I do want to just throw out there, like, just for extra uh, context, is he didn't even die from the bullet wounds on impact. They, If you watch, there's video 
they didn't go give him first aid immediately after they shot him. He died in surgery afterwards because they were picking up their own bullet casings before they checked on the man who they shot in the back. Which to me, if a guy's drunk and running towards his sister's house, you have his car right there. You have his license plate. I'm sure you have his license in your hand because you pulled him out of the car. This can be handled another time. He can be he can be issued a ticket or arrested for the crime he committed on camera on your body cams at another at another junction. You don't need him right this second. So like I said, it just seems ridiculous, but I don't blame those individual officers because they this is what I, I don't want to say they're trained to do. I don't think they're trained to use deadly force immediately, but I don't think they're trained to de-escalate situations in a way that makes sense most of the time. I and I think know. there's a lack of empathy from white people that even if they were trained to de-escalate, they don't see us the same way they see white people because I literally just read an article about a white dude who was drunk who choked an officer out while he was trying to give him a ride home. Guy still got home. Cop didn't tase him. Cop didn't shoot him. None of that. What's the difference? Who you have empathy for? Because that guy was drunk and tried to choke you out. Stealing your taser and fighting you off and choking you out while you're driving don't weigh the same to me. But one guy made it home alive and one guy doesn't get to see his daughter again. Xavier, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta um, jump you in for a little bit. I gotta, I gotta ask you, and I'm gonna ask you the same question. You can either reply to him or even answer the question too. I mean, but who's the most to blame? The system, the police officer who shot him, or Rashad Brooks? Um, what I want to say real quick, just to um, add on to Deshaun's point, um, I was just talking to my homie yes today, actually today. I was gonna call him E. Uh, and E, we were talking today, and because I have a friend who actually was in a hit and run accident yesterday, where he was at fault, he was driving drunk, and uh, hit someone, totaled his car, couldn't get it to start, so he left the keys and everything and just ran. Um, but E today was talking, uh, we we're talking today in the group chat about you know how that wasn't you know that wasn't a responsible way to do it and yeah yeah, uh, but he explained that he actually was in a hit and run. Uh, about 10 or 12 years ago and he was saying how um and he was saying how the way that it that it was handled for him was the next day he got home he had sobered up or whatever he said he actually went to the police station and turned himself in and said hey i got in a hit and run accident i was scared you know i didn't know what to do yada, yada, yada. so i ran he said um he said they took my he said um, i didn't get arrested uh, but they did take my license away, um, uh, and they, they took my license away for 10 years, and so he had just gotten it back, like, in the last couple of years. Took my license away for 10 years, you know, my insurance was suspended, all that other stuff. I couldn't drive, none of that other stuff. So just, like, to point with Deshaun's, like, it's, to Deshaun's point, like, there are, there are so many other ways that that could have just went. You know what I'm saying? Like, the fact that he did run away, like, I know he got a taser or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know if he still had it when they shot him or whatever, but I know he did take it and run. Uh, but like you said, like at the end of the day, y'all got his keys. You have his, you have his information. You have his car. You know what I'm saying? With the the license plate is the license plate is a is you know registered to an address. They would have came the you know the sheriff would have been at his house the next morning. You know what I'm saying? And that could have been a way better. You know, he would still be alive today. But who's at fault? I'm gonna go ahead and tag on that it's a systemic issue. Um, that is a systemic issue. I watched that video and I'm honestly tired of watching videos, uh, but I watched that video a couple of times and, um, it was just a really messed up situation. It really was like, it was, it was definitely, um, it was definitely a tough call. 
I do think that if they had better training on what to do in a situation like that, like you and I were talking about it, you know, just a couple of days ago, and we were talking about how they could have rerouted that situation so that it didn't go that way. Someone sent me a video. I think it was a propaganda video. You saw that propaganda video with the, with the Cheerios? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the propaganda video is a propaganda video out, and it's a bowl of Cheerios, and he's got four other bowls around it, and he takes a Cheerio out, and he puts it into another bowl. It's like education. One's like welfare, da-da-da-da. And it was like, you could, he's like, not to the point where, like, the, the police department is rendered ineffective, but if it's possible to take, and I think, DJ, I think we talked about this last time we were together, too, and we are just discussing, like, how we before taking it, you know, taking it down a notch and be able to use, like, use some of that money towards something that could help, uh, that could help them be more efficient at their job. Like, so for instance, if there was a, fu- a part in police funding that says, hey, we can pull from this resource that if someone is pulled over for DUI, you know what I'm saying? Or in this situation where he's not actually drinking and driving, but he has fell asleep in his, in his car, like where we have the funds to just be like, hey, I need to call an Uber for so-and-so. This is officer so-and-so. I need to call an uh, Uber driver for, at this apartment for this person. You know, I'm taking his license, and his license registration, all the other stuff, and we will convene with this when he's sober or whatever. Or we're writing him a ticket and sending him to class for two months before he can get his license back. Like, there's so many other ways that I feel like this can go. And even just talking about, like, the way that the, uh, that the situation went is – trying to walk home and then denying that but wanting to arrest them still like that was a perfect opportunity for you to be able to uh to not only like to not only help a situation not escalate but also to show grace you know what i'm saying especially in a time right now where like um all eyes are on the way that the police are operating themselves right now like that would have been a really great help for their case you know what i'm saying and all it did was hurt it because he could have been like, you know what, I'll stay right here until we can get a hold of your sister or get a hold of uh, an Uber and get you, to a, get you to an address, you know what I'm saying? But we can't let you go home with your car. We can't let you go home with, you know what I'm saying, that kind of stuff. And I think that would have been a better way. But if the system had already planned ahead uh, for something like that, you know what I'm saying, then that, that would have been a way better situation. So again, I'm not saying someone should be able to walk away like unscathed and not have to take some kind of punishment. Uh, for it, but what I'm saying is dying for it is definitely not definitely not the answer. Right. And, and and again, I'm not condoning fighting the police. I'm not gonna fight no cop. I'm not trying to die. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm not gonna do it. So I'm not condoning that. But what I'm saying is that um, it, it didn't have to get to that point if there was a different route approach to it from the first place. And so I'm I'm in, I'm intrigued to hear you know what DJ says in conjunction to that later. Yeah, but, yeah, um, DJ, DJ, we're gonna go to you, the I, the police officer. <laughs> all right. Now, I like, I like I asked the question, I, you can respond to whatever Deshaun had to say, Xavier had to say, but also, of course, I have to ask you the same question. Is who's the most to blame, the system, the police officer who shot him, or Rashad Brooks? Go ahead and uh, speak um, up to that for us. Okay. By the way, everything that I say is my personal opinion, not the opinion of police departments all over America, my department. I'm an individual who just happens to be a police officer and who was just so happy to handle calls like this several, several times in my career. So I'll just speak to that. Um, It's it's on Mr. Brooks. It is. It's on Mr. Brooks. And here's why. A lot of officers that I know, 
drink is not an uncommon thing amongst people. And if an officer were to drink, get behind the wheel of a car and go out, whether he hit someone or not, I can speak on what my department's done in the past. I guarantee you they'd be fired immediately. I guarantee you that charges would be brought up on them immediately, you know, because here's the thing when it comes to DWI or DUI in a lot of states, it's a crime that it, it transcends uh, economics. It transcends race. Everybody does it, whether you're rich, poor, you know, white, black, it doesn't matter. Everybody across the board does it. Um, and a lot of people just look at it like, oh, well, hey, man, it's a victimless crime. I'm, or, you know, it's, it's a nonviolent offense, right? Um, and the people who are like, it's a nonviolent offense, I'm like, yeah, it's a nonviolent offense until you kill someone, until you do hurt someone. Uh, most of the DWIs that I've worked, the very first one that I got was a dude who was intoxicated, decided that he was good to drive his friends to a restaurant drives off of a bridge and breaks his girlfriend's leg in the front seat because he crashed into somebody else. Um, another one that I worked, um, a college kid out drinking, whatever, tries to go home, rear ends this dude going like 60 in a residential, knocks him out cold. We got to bust the window out to get him out of the car and try and get him breathing again. Um, and this college kid, you know, I mean, he, he barely understood what he did. Thank God the man didn't die. But it's like, bro, like, this is serious. And probably the worst one that I've ever seen, or at least the saddest thing that I've seen, is I was at our jail one time booking somebody in. And they brought in someone who was DWI and had actually killed somebody. But the sad part was he was so intoxicated, he had no idea why he was there he had no idea what happened and I was just I just remember thinking like dude I don't know you know like I, I feel so bad for one the dude the deceased but two this guy he's literally gonna wake up in jail and figure out that he killed somebody last night you know and how's he gonna how do you deal with that I have no idea but I say all that to say it's very common in our country we all know you know DWI hey or DUI is a bad idea and we all know that it's illegal. So I'm like, if you're, if you're going to drink and not make arrangements beforehand, that's on you. And I, you know, I know that when drunk people do drunk people things, all right? Like, dude, because I, I, I don't know how many times like I've seen something like uh, Mr. Brooks and they're just passed out from being intoxicated. They're passed out in a Wendy's drive through or whatever and we're over there trying to like hey man where's your phone at let me scroll through your contacts i'll call somebody for you and either nobody answers or like yo man you got uber and you know they're not telling you what their address is so guess what uber doesn't really work because if you can't tell me what your address is i know we got addresses on our licenses but in all honesty a lot of people their addresses ain't up to date I don't know how many people I come across and it's like, yo, is this address yours? Oh, no, nah, man, I haven't changed that in like two years. All right, so what? You think is it responsible for me as an officer to put this dude in an Uber and send him to an address that I honestly don't know if it's his or not because he can't tell me? You know, those are just possibilities. But I know in Mr. Book's case, he was up, he was talking. You could tell he was intoxicated, but regardless, 
the point I'm getting at is that it's our responsibility as individuals to not drink and drive. I know that, dude, if I go get plastered and I get behind the wheel of my car, if I get caught, I'm probably going to jail. Probably, you know, because as, as nice as it has been, like as nice as I've been or other officers that I've worked with, calling Ubers for people, calling rides for people, driving people home, all that stuff. I'm like, that's stuff that we do, but that's not my responsibility to do. My job is to enforce the law. It's your responsibility and my responsibility to follow the law. And if I don't, well then, okay, that means that I'm, I'm, risk, I'm rolling the dice on going to jail, you know? And uh, for, because I watched the video. I watched it plenty of times. I watched both body cams. And everything that I'm hearing about, like, okay, well, how the officers could have de-escalated it, could have done it. I'm like, bro, the whole video, they're all chill. You know, de-escalation is basically coming into a situation that's not chill and using, you know, your voice, tone of voice. Um, and if you have to go hands-on, but like using those types of things to basically bring that situation to a chill level you know, so that everything's under control. And I'm like, well, they're starting off at chill. You know what I'm saying? So the only time that it wasn't chill was when he resisted arrest. And at that point, we're not talking, you know, at that point, like, if you're going to throw hands with me, how, how many of us have like stopped in the middle of a fight when someone's throwing hands at you and been like, wait, 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 let's, let's try and calm this situation down. No, you throw hands at me. That means we're going. That, that's all that means, you know? And so plain and simple everybody knows all right if you go into jail if you're getting arrested don't fight the police that's a bad idea because they're gonna fight back you know i'm not gonna let you beat me and so they get to fighting he takes the man's taser and as he's running away turns back and full extension points it at the officer and pulls the trigger because if you looked at the video there are three shots that you can hear but he only got shot twice that's because the first one was him shooting a taser at the officer you know, so to me, I'm like, bro, that's all you. That is all you. Nobody made you make any of those decisions. That was your choice. And that was the end result, which is unfortunate because out of all the people who think that situation shouldn't have ended that way, the two officers in that situation are like, bro, this situation should not have ended this way. You know, it should have just ended with, okay, cool. You're under arrest. Let's go to jail. We go on our day. Plain and simple. Now, this is the, everything that you're stating to me. Okay, this is how I'm listening to it. It just shows me that we have a, a system issue, bro, because I don't think we need government officials with guns to handle somebody sleeping in a Wendy's. Okay, and maybe I'm weird, maybe I'm different, maybe, but, but to me, like how my brain is just functioning is like, in order for us to have any type of reform, I think we need to start thinking about ways to reform right? Like, and I don't know about having someone with a gun. Now, now I think, you know, let me, let me make my, my statement clear. Okay. Um, because people will start saying all kinds of stuff. I know how people cut things up and cut clips. So let me just make it clear. Homeboy should not have, should not have, you know, resisted arrest and, and, and tried to tase the officer. You, you have to, I don't know why we have to say all these stuff to just to get our point across, but you gotta say, he shouldn't have did X, Y, Z. But at the same time, I don't think that the police coming helped that guy in any any way, shape, or form, right? Like, I don't think a government official with a gun came in and helped that situation at all, 
Okay. So my brain is, my, my brain is going like crazy because I feel like we have a systemic way that we could handle DUIs, DWIs differently, especially if someone's passed out. That's not like, literally, this is one of my things that I got for later on. I was going to talk about not now, but whatever. But I feel like there's a way that we can handle DUIs that have no physical damage. Like no, like that has, I feel like a DUI that, that causes physical damage and injury, you need a police officer there. But for other ones, for DUIs that there's no physical damage, no injury, no situation, you passed out, you don't need a government official with a gun. Because if there was no government official with a gun, there would not have been a taser to take our weapon. There would not have been a taser to take from the officer, number one. Number two, if we're not arresting people, because I don't think people that, I don't think we should be arresting people for nonviolent offenses, but that's just me though. Everyone's different. I think you should give them a ticket and a ride home. That's what happens for nonviolent offenses. But in our brain, in America, we just think about, oh, everything arrested, everything go to jail, everything go to jail. But I'm thinking that we need to rethink how we do X, Y, and Z. But let me go ahead and, and get one of the, uh, Deshaun, and you you got the first, wait, wait, wait. Uh, no, 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 Xavier, you were the first one. You said you got some follow-up responses so xavier go ahead you know what else you got to say all right so i'll try to be concise um i i want to go ahead and preface again that i don't think fighting the cops was a good idea i'm not trying to say that uh you know that rashad was completely faultless in this situation uh but you made a statement to me you said you made a statement not to me but to the to the to the to the conversation you said it's not my job to, uh, it's not my job to call him a ride home. And my response to that is why not? Why not? It's, it, it's like, cause here's, here's my thought process. Correct, and correct me if I'm wrong when you speak again. Um, he's gonna go to jail. They're gonna give him some jail time. Um, he'll spend some time in jail. They're gonna put points on his license or take his license away or make him take a, a DUI course in order to get his license back if the driving while under the influence didn't put him over the limit um, already. And here's my thing. Y'all are going to put him in jail for X amount of time and cost him some money and then put him through the same things that we're, that we're, that we're proposing. You're going to make him take DUI class. You're going to make him, you're going to make him do that so that he can get it. If he can even get his license back or look, take his license away. I'm not against that. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, in the end run, it, those things are going to end up happening anyway. So not, why not start that from the jump? Now, I will say this. I will say this also. Like, that, my, my thing is that that should be the first place where, the, where it goes. If it goes from there where, where the office is like, hey, let me call you a ride or let's try to get, let's try to get you somewhere and it doesn't work out. Let, let's say you told me, I think you said before a second ago about trying to call somebody a ride and you couldn't get through and they wouldn't give you the information and then all that stuff and you're trying to work with them and then it doesn't work and then it escalates. Like to me, like to me, those, ex, those are a lot of extra steps, but to me, they're necessary. Like if what would have happened like before that was like, hey, let's find out a safe way to get this taken care of without all that. But then it just didn't work out. And it's like, dude, we can't get a hold of you. Anyone to get you. We can't get, you know, we don't, you were not giving me your address to call you an Uber, you know what I'm saying? Or someone, you know, and you're not cooperating with us. Then, okay. He probably needs to go to jail if he's just not going to cooperate. You know what I'm saying? Like that. But if there were proactive steps for, to me, 
taken first because in the end again he's gonna get a dui charge and then he's gonna have to take a course to get his license anyway or to be able to drive again so why not skip all the fluff in the middle and just like hey let's figure out how to better this situation better this situation from the jump so for so uh so for me you know what i'm saying uh, my my position has been lately not about the actual actual incident because i know that it's that it was really tough situation and i don't know how different that could have been if i was the officer in in, in their place and i know it's tense and all that's going on and the wrestle the taser from him and all that other stuff like i get all that like i get that and i'm not excusing it so i hope that you dj or people who listen later don't think that i am like excusing um inappropriate behavior like if i'm going to jail i'm gonna go to jail and then we can take care of it in court that's the way that it, that you you know what i'm saying but i'm not gonna i'm not i'm personally not gonna resist but it, but when but i'm just saying like as a preliminary thing you're like oh it's not my job and i was like i think it should be I think it should be, especially if that if the end result is going to be what we're proposing in the first place. You're gonna arrest him. He might not even get time. He might just get a big fat fine. He even get really. I, I know people who got arrested for drunk driving and got and went home the next day. There's a guy who in last November who drove his car into our parking lot and crashed into our church building drunk. They wrote him a ticket. They gave they gave us all of his insurance information, and I watched that man walk home. I watched him walk home. Did we sue the mess out of his uh, out of his insurance to fix our building? Yes, we did. You know what I'm saying? Did he have to pay his ticket? Yes, he did. Did he have to face ramifications for all that stuff? Yes, he did. You know what I'm saying? But if that's if that's gonna be the end point, then let him walk home. You know what I'm saying? I was irritated, but let him walk home. Now I think like now I'm gonna say this next thing and then we'll be done so that Deshaun and, and DJ can rebuttal. Yeah. Uh, but one time I was driving to the church and it was uh, five o'clock traffic and this man is driving and he cuts down the wrong section on the freeway. Right. And he's driving and he's, I mean, he's, he's floats into the median floats back over, smashes into a car floats over again, hits the wall, then smashes into another car. He needs to go to jail. You know what I'm saying? He could have killed himself. He could have killed other people. Like that was complete. And I called the cops. I called him. I don't know who was in the car, but I called him. I was like, Mitch. I did because shut up. Right? Some people's lives are in danger. You know what I'm saying? What if you, I mean, and he hit somebody that was three cars behind me. If somebody hits me, you driving your pickup truck and going 50 and you hit me, I'm going to be pissed. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I don't care, Deshaun. Shut up to you. All of y'all can shut up. Right? I'm just saying it, for that point, it was a safety issue for me. Like people's lives were in danger. That's not what I'm talking about. But when he's sitting at the, if he's sitting there passed out in his car, steps should be taken from a preliminary standpoint for it to be a safe th a safe thing moving forward and my thing is you know and i don't uh, again i mean no disrespect dj you know what i'm saying but you said you know it's not my job to to do that and i think it should be so um let me go because i think that okay deshaun i think you have something a response to what dj gotta say more than what xavier so i want i want you to say what you gotta say and then i want dj to kind of close out with the thoughts there so go ahead. All right. I mean, mine is really short because it's the same question that I ask every single time a black person is killed by police, black men, black women, black whoever. It's the same question I ask every time. Because when, whenever, you know, the, the question becomes like, well, what did they do to cause a situation, yada, yada. Is the crime they committed a capital crime? Yes or no. Is drinking and driving a capital punishment? Is there a capital punishment for, for drinking and driving? Yes or no. If drinking and driving does not carry a death sentence, then you don't have the right to me to kill a man for drinking and driving. Is shooting a taser at police officers a, uh, a capital crime? 
that's a that's actually a legal question. I was actually just reading an article while Xavier was talking because I was like, let me let me not talk out of school. You know what I mean? Like, let me make sure I know what I'm talking about. In the state of Georgia, a cop can fire if it's gonna, if it's going to prevent their own death or or if the person firing on them has a deadly weapon. Are tasers a deadly weapon? No. The, the taser company itself says they they have less than sixty deaths attributed to them. Now, there's reports that are up over to 500, but most of those are related to uh, prior uh, physical ailments that cause a taser to kill you. If you already have heart problems, if you already have lung problems, et cetera. If you have enough heart or lung problems as a cop, that a taser is going to kill you, maybe you shouldn't be a cop. That, there should be some health parameters there. I, I don't think cops should be in their 60s being cops, personally. I don't think that's a job that, that, require, that you should be able to do at that age because you're not physically fit. That's not the point, though. I don't, I'm, again, I'm not saying he did anything right. I'm not saying drinking and driving is right. Like I said earlier, I've done it extremely stupid and if i had if i had been caught for it though i i would have no one to blame but myself for the punishment but at the end of the day nothing that that man did warrants a capital punishment nothing that that man did would have got him lethal injection or a firing squad or an electric chair so i don't understand how there's a justification for him to be shot in the back twice but and especially to me being shot twice while running away yes he shot the taser and i, I said shot in the back i don't think he got shot in the back because he was shooting the taser at them but regardless there's that man's not a threat to your life. A drunk dude firing a taser at me, I highly expect him to miss and run off looking like an idiot because he's drunk because I've been around a lot of drunk people. And even if he did hit me, I'm not going to die from it. Am I going to be pissed? Certainly. But me being pissed off is not, I don't get to kill people because I'm pissed off. If I did, as a teacher, I would have I caught multiple charges by now because kids piss me off every day. I've literally been assaulted by kids. Like, up, but those things, I don't get to kill people just because I'm mad about what they did. So, like I said, legally, nothing he did warrants a murder charge. Legally, the cops, the cop who shot him actually got fired. So, the justice system doesn't agree with him either. So, that, that's my only pushback. I'm not saying that y'all don't handle drunk people because I've been drunk. I know we are very annoying. Drunk people are obnoxious. They're loud. They're stupid. It's like Bruh. handling a toddler who's six feet tall. Bruh. I get it. Preach. Because I've had friends who are drunk when I'm not drunk, and I'm like, yo, you're on my last nerve. I've wanted to fight my friends who are drunk when they're, just because they're annoying me, not because they did anything. But at the end of the day, Rashad didn't commit a capital, capital offense. So his death doesn't, isn't, can't be justified to me because he didn't commit a thing that legal, the, legal, the law says he should die for. And that, that's my only pushback. That's all I want to throw out there. Okay. That's, that's, <laughs> dude, okay. So on drunk people being annoying, dude, I've literally – had a drunk person that I was trying to get them a ride home. I was like, bro, let's get you home. And he straight up refused. He's just like, no, you're going to have to make an example out of me and take me to jail. And I'm like, bro, I do not want to take you to jail. He's like, nah, do it. And then when I did it, he was not very happy with me. But I'm like, bro, like, for real, though, like drunk people, when you are intoxicated, you don't make the best choices. Okay, that's everybody knows that. Okay, even us, we know that. Um, okay. So, saying a taser is not a deadly weapon. Okay, cool. Uh, is a rope a deadly weapon? You know, is a shovel a deadly weapon? Is a baseball bat a deadly weapon? Uh, is a pen a deadly, a deadly weapon? Nah, pens are used to write. Baseball bats are made for baseball. Shovels are made for digging. Ropes are made for towing stuff and all that good jazz. Uh, a deadly weapon is any weapon that's designed to cause serious bodily injury or death or anything in the manner of its use can or will cause serious bodily injury or death so speaking has anybody else been tased out of curiosity anybody had the 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 okay 
You've been tased? Yeah, that's why. Welcome to the club, bro. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it ain't fun, okay? Being tased sucks. And basically what it does is, uh, it, it, for lack of a better term, it just paralyzes you for the time that it's running. Um, the way that our tasers work, and most tasers that police officers have work, if I just squeeze the trigger and both probes land on you in the right way, all right, uh, it'll run automatically for five seconds, and then it'll stop, right? But if you're holding the trigger down, it'll just run until the battery dies. So what officers are looking at, you know, because here's the thing, everything on my belt, except for my gun, my gun is the only thing that's deadly force. Everything else is what we call less lethal, as in they're instruments that aren't used to cause death. But I mean, if you're not careful with how you use them, they can cause death. Um, a lot of policy and a lot of training that we have when we use tasers are things like if someone's on an elevated step, don't tase them. Why? Because if you paralyze, you can't catch yourself. And people have died as a result of being tased off of like a roof or something, and they can't catch themselves. So they fall on their head and die. You know what I'm saying? Um, or yeah, like you were saying, like if you have some type of pre-existing medical condition. So a lot of times uh, police departments frown upon, or at least they're like, hey, if you can help it, don't tase old people, pregnant people, juveniles, that kind of a thing. Um, but the idea is if somebody gets my taser and successfully tases me, I can no longer defend myself. And if I can't defend myself, what, what do I have on my person that could end me in a second? My gun. Uh, there are cases where officers have been knocked unconscious and have had their guns taken from them and used to execute them while they've been knocked unconscious. So basically, I'm like, look, I'm not going to let you tase me, paralyze me, and then come up here and like curb stomp me or try and take my gun away from me or whatever the case is. Like, that's not a chance I'm willing to take, okay? I'm not going to roll the dice and do 50-50 with that. So if you take my taser from me and you point it at me and try and use it against me, yeah, that justifies deadly force. And the thing that people, the thing that, you know, I, how I see it differently, you know, and, and I, I appreciate y'all's perspective for sure. And I don't, I don't find any of it disrespectful or anything like that because, you know, we all come from different backgrounds. Me being a cop, there's just things that I've, trained on there are things that I know that other people who aren't cops just don't know and that's totally cool um but the the thing with uh you know just using a taser against a cop it's like bro you know I that's not a risk that I'm willing to take and I forget where I was going with that anyway I've totally lost my train of thought but basically um oh no people were saying that you know drinking and driving doesn't carry a capital sentence and you're absolutely right but what people need to understand is he was not shot because he was drinking and driving. He was not shot because he was DUI. That's why the officers got called out there. But that's not why he got shot. They didn't walk up to the window and say, DWI, boom. No, he was shot because he resisted arrest. And what did he do? If we want to name off charges. So you have DUI, you have resisting arrest, you have assault on a peace officer. They assaulted, he, he punched one of the officers in the face and then took his taser. That's robbery when you have assault plus theft. So you have that. You have fleeing or evading on foot. That's another charge. And then using the taser or trying to use the taser against the officer, you have aggravated assault on a peace officer. So no, he wasn't shot because he was DWI. He got shot because you legit tried to <laughs> use a taser on me bro like that's that's why you got shot because that is a threat to my life 
uh, just given the circumstances of everything that I carry, everything that I know the taser can do and would allow you to do if you successfully tase me. Yeah, that's that. We're gonna have to leave it there for for now. I want us, but I do want us to all think about these as you're listening. Think about all these different perspectives on that particular case. Now, the angle that I have, and I think more me and Xavier, because me and Xavier kind of talked about it more, is just literally about just thinking about being proactive with the next time something like this happens. Like the next time, you know, this happens, what could be done that could be able to change things and look at things differently. But I want to ask this, and we mentioned it right now. Deshaun, you actually touched on it, and it's my next question, actually. And I want to start this off, off with DJ here. But we see that after this particular incident, of course, we saw the Wendy's burning down. We have the police chief resigning. We have the police officer being fired and the other one that's on administrative leave. And I have to ask you, DJ, do you think that this officer was um, is it being a, used as a scapegoat due to the racial climate that's going on in this country? Or do you believe that that actions of him being fired and, and other officers being on administrative leave, do you believe that that was um, justified or, you know, it's just uh, he's being used as a scapegoat? Uh, once again, these are my personal opinions, not the opinions of my department or any other department in the country. Uh, dude's a scapegoat, 100%. 100%. I mean, they... They went and found a bus, put gas in it, threw some new tires on it, and proceeded to run him completely over with that brand new bus that they got. Because, I mean, like, legit, le I mean, like, le legit, I mean, being fired within 24 hours off of something that literally, I mean, it's, it's, that one wasn't, it's not clear cut like, George Floyd you know what I'm saying it was not that at all at all so I mean if anything to me you know based on what I know about use of force based on my training and experience um dude shouldn't be shouldn't have been fired um and you know I know the chief stepped down or whatever um he's scapegoat hardcore uh in my opinion I think the police chief is a woman, right? If I, if I'm, I think I don't want to, cause the thing is I'm, I'm trying to so. be, I'm trying to be right now. Cause someone is like, well, been challenging me about making sure black women's voices are not like silenced or whatever. So I'm trying to be better with that type of stuff. But uh, yeah, I think that that's a woman that was on the, that was a police chief there that resigned. And I think her big thing when she left was like about um, uh, police and, and relationship between police and, and uh, civilians or something like that. She was mentioned when she left. Now, um, now, Deshaun, I think I think I, we already know how you feel. You think that this was justified. Homeboy should have been fired. He needed to be fired and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm assuming that's kind of how you feel. You think it was it was justified. Homeboy should have been fired. Yeah, I mean, I I think he should have been fired because, like I said, I, I I don't think that the that's the use of force was justified. I did read earlier today that he actually had like 12 misconduct reports against him already. So that kind of paints that firing a different light because like well this was the one well like how did the 12 misconduct reports prior to this not warrant him being fired how do you break your own codes and law that often not be fired but yeah i mean i think he should have been fired i do like want to throw out there something that since we're talking about you know amplifying black women's voices um i don't know if y'all know the rapper no name you know just like an independent oh, rapper yeah, she's worked with yeah. chance a bunch you know 
very like woke. She's like socialist the whole nine, which I think is dope. She's like grown that way over time, which is cool to watch. But um, she actually made the point today where she was saying like, if we like saying or like when we get mad and be like arrest that cop who did this thing, like if you're a prison abolitionist, you don't fundamentally believe in putting throwing somebody in jail for a crime anyway, and that doesn't solve the systemic issue of police killing black people. And I thought that was a great point because I I thought about that and I've wrestled with that, but she put it in a very eloquent way. Go check her Twitter at no name. It's not hard to find. Yeah. But she 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 made a thread on that about like arresting individual cops, firing individual cops doesn't fix the systemic problem that is police killing black people or killing Americans in general if we want to go there, but it's really killing black people mostly. So I think that's I think he should have been fired. Yes. Do I think it solves the issue? No, because I mean most. There, a lot of Americans don't think he should have been fired. A lot of cops don't think he should have been fired. And the next cops, it's not going to stop the next cop from doing the doing this. It's, I think it was Atlanta trying to keep. Um, I think it was Atlanta trying to keep the peace. You know, trying to keep them from burning things down. Although they burned stuff down anyway. Yeah, I um something I, that I think is really um funny when you mention it. For the longest time, have you ever like read something, like read a word or read something for so long in your head and you think you know the pronunciation and then you actually say it and you end up being wrong? Like I do that. I did that a lot just reading books growing up, thinking that that's the right way to say something in my head. This I thought. And then when I say it, people are like, Shelton, that's not how you pronounce that word. Like, what are you doing? So the the rapper No Name, I was calling her Nonami forever. Like I was saying, oh, the, you know the rapper Nonami? And people are like, I did that for years, bro. Who for, are you talking about? When, when I first got onto her, I did that for a long time until I heard her say her own name in a song. And I was like, because her name used to be No Name Gypsy. And she dropped the Gypsy because that's like a slur for um, Romani people or whatever. You know, Gypsy in America is like a cute little aesthetic term. But she was like, oh, that's an offensive term for people. Let me not use that. So but when she yeah. said like, no, you know, No Name blah, blah, blah in a song. And I was like, oh, No Name, that makes way more sense. No Name Gypsy, I get it. Like, yeah, I did the same thing. Got you, got you. So, and uh, yeah, and just, uh, and uh, actually, DJ, can you speak on that? Like, about how um, sometimes people could, you know, write up a complaint about an officer, and sometimes they're not justified. So kind of talk about yeah. that. Yeah, so, because like in the last two cases that we've been having, like everybody keeps saying like, oh man, this officer had like 17, you know, 20 different complaints on them, you know, so why weren't they fired? And, you know, I don't, dismiss that at all but my thing is i'm like were those like 20 excessive force complaints or like or what because basically you as a citizen i mean you can call and complain about anything i mean if, if somebody gives you a ticket and you feel like they were rude you can call and make a complaint and that complaint goes into the file like for me i was i was driving my car off duty and i came across uh, an accident where this truck had hit this dude on a motorcycle. And I mean, like homeboy was in bad shape. So I call for EMS and stuff like that. And there were a group of nurses that saw what happened. And so they were like, all right, cool. They were in the street doing work on this dude. And I was like, cool, there aren't any medical people here. So y'all do what you do. And I mean, this was in the middle of a busy street. Well, then the fire department showed up and they do all the medical stuff that the ambulance people do as well. So as soon as they show up, they start going to work on this dude. And so I asked the nurses, hey, can you guys stand on the sidewalk for me uh, while they do their work? Just because it's in the middle of a busy street. And I'm like, I don't want y'all to get hit. So all of them go. And then I, I turn and I see this lady wearing pajamas and she's like looking, like just right up on the fireman, like looking over everything that they're doing. 
And so I go up to her and I'm like, hey, ma'am, do you mind standing on the on the sidewalk for me? And uh, basically, you know, she looks at me and she's like, well, I'm a trauma nurse, so I, I think I'll stand right here. <laughs> and I, like I was wearing my police vest. I had my badge, my car. I was like, well, ma'am, I'm a police officer and I asked you to stand on the sidewalk. And so she like huffed and puffed, walked off and uh, later got her husband to come over and yell at me because he was like, why would you tell a trauma nurse not to work on this dude when there weren't any medical people here to help him? And I'm like, well, there's a fire. Firefighters were here working and she was just getting in the way. So that's a problem to me. He was like, oh, okay. But anyways, she filed a complaint on me for that incident. You know, they looked at my camera and stuff like that and were like, oh, you were, you were doing, you did the right thing, you know, telling everybody to get out of the street, you were good. So, but that complaint is in my file. So if you look up Officer Davis, I got a complaint, you know. So if I get fired and people are like, oh, he's got a complaint. Why hasn't he been fired before or whatever? You know, that's, that's, it's not the same level. So I'm just, I'm very curious as to like what the complaints that these guys have are, because some of them aren't legit like we like the public is thinking that they are i guess yeah so um deshaun could you actually go ahead and tell us what some you know what those complaints were just so that we have that uh information on the podcast today yeah i just i googled it and i i found a one source and i was like let me you know back check myself because you know sometimes some sources aren't legitimate but i found one that like an article that said he's got nine of his 12 were dismissed but of the 12 there were five vehicle accidents four citizen complaints I'm assuming those were the nine that were dismissed, but I don't know that. That just those numbers add up to me because those are ones that seem like they're not like super serious. He's got a firearm discharge and a reprimand for use of force involving a firearm. So that totals eleven of the twelve. I don't know what the twelfth one is. It wasn't in the article. If you know, I'm sure I could look up like Atlanta PD records and find it or whatever. But that's the I saw. I checked like three different articles and they all reported those eleven consistently. So like I said, and they all said nine were dismissed. I don't know which nine. I'm assuming it's either the discharge, the accidents, or vehicle complaints, because those seem like things that, or the, the four citizen complaints and the firearm discharge seem dismissible. The vehicle accidents, I don't know enough about, and then the use of force involving a firearm, I'm, I don't think will be one dismissed, but that's, again, that's me speculating. I don't know. Right, 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 right. I understand that. I got you. I got you. So what we're going to do now is I want to go ahead and ask our final question for tonight, okay? So I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead to some things that I want to ask all of you guys. And uh, I'm going to start off with this. Okay, Black Lives Matter. Yes, yes, they do. Um, But I have some questions, right? Black Lives, the movement, they have a goal against police brutality against Black people and minorities. Now, the statement, the statement Black Lives Matter has been considered inflammatory. When, they, when some people hear the term Black Lives Matter, they want to say all lives matter. They spend, a lot of times we end up spending more time arguing about what Black Lives Matter means than coming together about the issue of police brutality. Now, people now are arguing that police brutality is not racially motivated. We have people like Candace Owens. We have people like Ben Shapiro. We have people, a lot of people on the right that are like, bro, you know, this it's a myth that, you know, the police treat black people differently. It's this whole myth thing. A lot of people, so now, a lot of people now are finding themselves arguing the fact of the matter if police brutality is racially motivated. And so because of that, we end up arguing this kind of irrelevant point to a point instead of like finding common, common ground when it comes to police brutality in general. So 
my thing, my point is I'm asking you guys, do you guys think that America is too racist to ever care about black lives? Because the reason why I mentioned this, all my life I heard things like, you know, why in the world is there a Black History Month? Da, da, da. Like people, the minute that you sit back and have something cornered for black people, America at large doesn't seem to care or like it or like, man, you guys are, are have things for yourselves. I don't like that. But yet they never say anything about, um, they never say anything about country music television or CMT or they never say anything about, um, you know, the Spanish channels on the television, but BET annoys them so much, right? So anything that's catered toward black people, America at large is like, no, I don't like that. I don't, I'm not caring for that. So if you put police brutality with a black face, America just don't care about. That's the issue they don't care about. And just the way that America didn't care about the war on drugs because the, the war on drugs, the face on it were black people and America just criminalized black people that were addicted to crack. And yet now they want treatment for white people that's addicted to the opioids, right? And now they care about the war on drugs and now people starting to think, oh man, we really need to start abolishing this or we need to give people treatment and all these other things. Do you think, I'm going to start us off with Deshaun here. Actually, I'm going to start with Xavier. I'm sorry. I'm sorry with Xavier. Do you think, Pastor Xavier, that the world, or the, actually the world, but America, would care more about police brutality if we start giving it more of a white face? What do you think about that? My answer is no. And let me tell you why. The reason why I say they wouldn't care about it more is because they already are ignoring alarming statistics that happen to them as well. Uh, one of the big arguments that I talk with people about, they're like, well, police, you know, up for a long time, uh, the police brutality rates statistically from the government websites were higher than black people. Uh, but all this time, we never heard anybody really say anything about it. When the statistics changed and black people were getting killed at a 2.5% 2.5 times higher than the white people, then we were like, no, 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 we don't, uh, y'all could do what y'all want on y'all side, but we don't do that here. We're not going to, we're not going to roll over while this is happening. And so they don't historically care. And to them, they're the, they're the majority because they occupy most of the country. And so to them, the numbers are so small, quote unquote, because they represent so much more of the, of the population. So it's not even about how much, but it's a, it's a percentage thing. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a percentage thing. And because, because of their size, percentage-wise, it's not enough to raise concerns for them. You know what I'm saying? But for yeah. us, the, the margin is, is so much more, you know, it's so much more profound. And that's why it's so much more devastating for the black communities because, bro, there's, you gotta look at, how, at, the, at the percentages for how it's going. So they traditionally, I mean, white people own it all you know what i'm saying they own it all and so i think on a large on a large scale i don't think that and not to mention like again i, I feel bad for prefacing to dj all the time you know what i'm saying but most people worship the ground that police officers walk on they worship the ground that the military walks on and so under under like 95 percent, and i know that's just a that's just a like number that i don't know you know what i'm saying so i'll go ahead and put that on the record i don't actually know the number that I don't think there's any way to really know that. But most people that I know, especially white Americans, white Christian Americans, especially, to them, police and military can't do anything wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
it's them do they've done it and if they've done it they had a good reason to do it and you shouldn't have done x y and z like there's never any and i don't say never i don't i don't mean to use general terms but hear my heart uh they they use these these terms that state that they don't if they had to do what they had to do then there's no way that they were wrong in it and there are people who will take that to their grave i mean i know people who are running a 100 percent record right now that they don't believe the police were wrong in any of the police brutality things we've talked about not even since i mean we're going back before rodney king we're going way back before mlk we're going back you know what i'm saying that they look back and be like nope police are right the whole time you know what i'm saying all this then people who just don't believe and that's one of the reasons you know and i'll just say that is why I don't think that if it was, I think you used the term white face. If it was white face, then I don't think it would, I don't think it would change because the system does not just include people, people oftentimes infuse police brutality and, and the inappropriate killing of black people. And the same time they work together in tandem, but they're not the same thing. You right. know what I'm saying? They're two separate issues that have a tendency to just intertwine. You know what I'm saying? And so sometimes they, they, people kind of have a tendency just because we've seen a lot of it happening as they coincide. People look at it together like that, but it's not actually the same thing. There are two different issues. Police brutality can exist outside of killing black people. And right, it does right. exist outside of killing black people. And so I say that to the point of saying this, and I'll bring it full circle right here and then I'll be done, is the answer is no. Because while the system worships the authority figures and doesn't hold it completely to the point of being, you know, civilian officers or civilian officials who look out for the people first, as long as that, as long as there is a group of people who feel that way, then it goes much larger than racism. It's a systemic, it's a systemic issue that says that we aren't allowed. People say, well, we're not allowed to say anything about black people. Well, y'all make it sound like we're not allowed to keep police officers accountable because mm -hmm. if they do stuff, you know what I'm saying? It's automatically like, nah, they did something wrong. That's the, and look at it. Look at all the, look at Sandra Bland, look at Philando Castile, look at Tamir Rice, look at Eric Garner. Look, I mean, do I need to list off all the three trillion people on the list? I don't have to, right? But if you look at that, you're going to see people on every single thing that says, nah, this wasn't okay. This wasn't okay. The police did the right thing. The police did the right thing. And we see video footage where something was not done right. And they're like, nah, but what happened? I mean, he had, he shouldn't have had a fake $20 though. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's always going to be a justification no matter what the issue is. And you're going to find out that as long as we worship the ground that the authority figures walk on, there's not going to be any room for change just as much as they don't like us speaking out about it. And I think that's going to exist no matter who's the person that's getting. So mm -hmm. I just think that police brutality can rise. The, the issue of police brutality sometimes rises higher than how it affects black lives. I got you. I got you. Now, DJ, let me ask you now, you hear, you hear him, you're right. And he, he's also making a good point about like, there's certain data you can't account for. Like you can't account for data you know, of course, like when a police officer is doing something to where he, he, you can't really have a lot of data for police misconduct. Let's say that. So police misconduct, there's sometimes you might not have the data for that to show like, hey, this, like, I mean, there's times where there's a police officer just went to jail 
for raping black women, right? A few, a few years ago, he just went to jail for it, got convicted for it. So there's no gonna, there's no data to be like, okay, how many, what percentage of police officers are going in, my, in minority communities and trying to do X, Y, yeah, that dang, yeah, I don't want to say that homeboy yeah. name. Yeah, I don't like him. Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, can't stand that joker, boy. And he mm-hmm. would have that crocodile tears in the courthouse. How about, you know what, I ain't want to talk about it. Anyways, DJ, how you feel about what every everything that Xavier said, and then also like you know the initial question as well about do you think America at large would care about police brutality if we start putting more white faces on the news that are being killed by the police? All right, well, you know, as, as far as what X said, the the only thing that I'm really going to push back on is that people in America they worship the ground of the firemen, not of the police officers. Everybody loves those valid, firemen. Valid. Everybody <laughs> loves those fire dude. Like, I was mad because my wife, she's talking about like showing me pictures. She works at the daycare. Show me pictures of like, oh look, you know, we had an ambulance dude come by and we had a fireman come by and talk to the kids. I'm like, bro, where are the, where are the cops at? Where the love there or whatever. But you know, that's that's a whole another thing. I don't I don't need to go into that. But yes, firemen get all the praise. Let me tell you. Um, but okay, so so my take on uh, police brutality and how 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 we get people to uh, bro, I'm salty. I am salty about the fireman deal. Okay, they get better retirement and everything, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but like the the police brutality issue, the way that I see it, um, sometimes I feel like in the black community we need to do a better job of including our allies, uh, you know, in differing communities, especially in the white community. Um, My wife is white. I was talking to, we were kind of talking about police brutality and stuff like that the other day. And basically I asked the question like, okay, well, you know, what do you think would happen if a white person came out and like made a claim about police brutality or something like that? And, you know, her, her first response, she was like, dude, I feel like they'd get made fun of, you know, that they wouldn't be taken seriously, probably, you know. Um, and I, I think that just because I feel like a lot of times whenever we do hear someone coming, <clears throat> you know, with, with an issue that they have, uh, I don't know, like sometimes it just feels like a lot of the times our response instead of listening to them hearing them out and having empathy and being like man that you know that sucks i'm gonna stand with you it's just like well what's going on in our community is worse than what's going on in your community so you know and i know that's not everybody but i i feel like there are a lot of people that feel that tension and so instead of standing up for police brutality or whatever it's like I, I i think a lot of people just don't know where to stand on it and don't get me wrong you do have your camp of people because there are a whole lot of people out there that do think like, hey, police can do no wrong. You know, there are a lot of cops that think that police can do no wrong. But I mean, obviously we can, and we've been doing a lot of wrong lately. Um, But I do think that, I don't know. I I think people, there are a lot of people that just feel out of place in the conversation period. So even if, let's say you put a white face on police brutality, I still think people would kind of feel like, all right, well, given history, I don't have any room to talk about this anyway. You know what I'm saying? I don't have a seat at the table in this anyway. So, you know, what what do I say? You know, I, I, that's that's kind of what I think. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, D- Deshaun, go ahead and uh, 
you know, go ahead and preach to us a little bit and explain to us, you know, that, you know, the same question, like, you know, you know, why is this not going to be even helpful, you think? Um, yeah, I'm, I was trying to, like, gather my thoughts on this. There, there's one point that I know I have and another point that I was trying to form. The main one that I think, like, why white people wouldn't care, like, if it was a white face on police brutality, is that the, and I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm sure, that I'm, I, just the way crime statistics work, I'm sure this is true. The majority of white people who get killed by cops aren't, like, suburban white people. They're not rolling it, like, the way Tamir Rice died. Tamir Rice, if you watch the clip of Tamir Rice in 2012, I believe, yeah, or 2013, maybe. That's he, still yeah, he was in a park with a toy gun, BB gun. Someone called the cops, said, hey, a kid has a gun in the park. The cops rolled up, and if you watch the video, it literally takes seven seconds. From the, they, they pull up on the grass, jump out, shoot. Don't ask no questions, don't it's say no drive words. By, don't it's a drive-by shooting. Yeah, it might as, yeah mm-hmm. they might as well just roll the window and pop at him. Like it yeah. is, he, he died instantly without even knowing that he committed a crime or that, he, that people thought he committed a crime. They're not shooting, you know, Jimmy over in the suburbs like that. They're not shooting Brad like that. If they were, maybe white people might get mad. Maybe. And I, I still don't think they would. And I think that's, this is, you know, me getting on my, like, socialist soapbox. I, white people, especially those who have, who have grown up with even, like, reasonable means. Because, like, I think when people think middle class, they think, like, lawyers, doctors, blah, 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 which are the middle class. But I think white people who are poor but don't think they're poor, I'm talking, like, that 50, 60, 70 grand a year, if you lost your job tomorrow, you'd be really, really almost customer. Sorry <laughs> to your audience, really screwed over. Like you'd be, you'd be, you'd be f. Like if you lost your job tomorrow, but because you have some of the creature comforts of the middle class, you think you're rich. Like white people who like you know you make sixty grand a year. You, you know you're a, a writer or something, and like all it takes is one bad book deal, and you're out. You're you're screwed. Like you have no. You don't have. It's, it's that like sixty seven percent of Americans can't afford a five hundred dollar emergency thing. Like you might have two cars in the driveway, but in a house that you own, but it's not like you own it. You're making payments on all of those things. And all it takes is one month of not being able to make the payments and all that's gone and you're homeless on the street with everybody else. Those types of white people in particular, those like lower middle class, there's a Dave Chappelle quote from his special equanimity, John Dave Chappelle, comedy legend, very offensive to LGBTQ people and stuff like that. I don't want to preface that. Like he's not perfect, you know what I mean? But he did make a, he's talking about the Trump election. This is back in like 2017. He said, he said he went to vote in 2016. He lives in Ohio. And he was like, he knew Trump was going to win because he saw all the poor whites lined up to vote. And he said, like, and this is him joking. He was like, I saw their cold, smeared faces. <laughs> and he was like, but he was joking. And he was like, I saw them. And he was like, I knew that Trump was going to win because I've never seen that many of them show up. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't have a problem with white people. He was like, now the poor whites, eh, they're not my favorite <laughs> because we had a lot of problems out of them. Mm-hmm. And he was like, the worst part is I know that rich white people call them trash when they're not around. That's true. He was like, they call them trash. And he's like, you know how I know that? Because I, I made enough money to be around the rich white people when they call them trash. Mm-hmm. So those like white trash, because I even saw a meme recently where it was like every redneck who's not for Black Lives Matter is full of it because you know you've had a run in with the cops. Because poor white people are like the really poor. I'm not I'm talking about the real poor white people. I'm talking about the dude who, run, who works at the gas station you live near. I'm yeah. talking about the white dude who works at the McDonald's, the white dude who lives at the trailer park about those white people those are the ones who get killed by the police because they're because like as much as it's black and brown people getting killed by police it's also poor people because poor people commit more crimes because they're poor so that's why like not, again i don't want to go on a tangent but like fred hampton was talking about like a rainbow coalition because he was like white people have to be in on this too like those white people who are oppressed because they're poor have to be on this too so i think white people although they're racist enough to not care when black people get shot 
are also classist enough to not care when poor white people get shot because they'll ne- that'll never be their king. Yeah, it'll never be you, their son. See, now here's the thing, right? And, and there's some people spe- that speculated that the reason why Dr. King died was because he, because he was trying to do like a, a poor man campaign to try to yeah. p- bring everyone together, right? Or bring he, he was by definition a socialist at the end. Like, yeah, he didn't call himself yeah. one, but by definition, he checked the boxes to be considered a socialist. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's and that was his big one of the big criticisms. And actually, that's why at the Christian school that I went to, um, and it's so funny seeing these people be so hypocritical. But the Christian school I went to, they didn't acknowledge Martin Luther King Jr. Day because they're like, oh, he was a socialist, he was a communist, whatever, whatever. And now they're all like trying to use his quotes to shut black people up about protesting. But it's just interesting to me, like you care about Martin Luther King. But what you said something that I find that I find interesting about the whole, about this whole thing, right? About, about us saying, man, it's, we need some of these poor white people to step up, right? But my thing is like, the reason why I think that even the poor, I think that we, it could help. I think the poor whites would come to help us if we actually start showing some people, some like the thing is what Xavier's point is on white, white people don't care. I think it's just the suburban white people that don't care. If we start showing, because what, here's the problem. Poor white people, the reason why they like Trump and reason why they, the sometimes, some of those same people love Bernie Sanders is because they can't stand the elites. And they know that the rich white people don't like them. They know that. That's why they say all the time, like, oh, the elites don't care about us. Why? Because they're a poor white person thinking, like, you guys that are, that are on some of these networks don't represent me. Like, you guys, that's why some of the language that um I think mean I think me and you've talked about it before Deshaun about how like the what is the hierarchy of like of learning or some junk and like so you, if you don't have your basic needs met or yeah, whatever it's, yeah it's called a Maslow's hierarchy of needs like yeah you thank you if you don't have food and shelter you can't think on a higher level basically exactly so a lot of times and that goes for the poor white a lot of poor white people you're trying to get them to think about white privilege you're trying to get them to think about like some of these other things right these deeper concepts and they're like bro I don't, I don't understand that like i need food like i don't understand that like i'm not making enough money like i don't understand some of those things and i think that if we start being like what dj is saying like more welcoming and, and introducing like other people into the conversation you don't think they could help even a little bit maybe to get some of those poor white people some of those bernie sanders supporters that love trump they hey get them on board to talk about police brutality if you start showing their faces up there start showing the the times the police aren't, aren't treating them well as as well and to be a little bit more inclusive so that you know more people can come onto the movement do you think that or, or you think i'm crazy Deshaun? i i think that poor white people i don't want to like by by and large they don't support black lives matter and stuff because of those reasons like they yeah. they, they see it as a competition between us and them for the little yeah. bit of resources that are available Rather than the the two of us, two of us, I say two, but it's more than that. It's poor people, it's black, brown, indigenous people, all these different groups. Rather than all of us being like, hey, they have, it's like they have like 99 apples and we have three to split between the 10 of us. Why don't we go take their 99 apples? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I do think by and large, poor white people have been like indoctrinated to be like, well, the, you know, the Mexicans are taking my job and the black people are using up all the welfare when it's really the richer white people taking up all the resources for the most part. I think that's some of them because, and I will say in my leftist circles, there's a lot of white people and most of them grew up hard, but they've realized that I'm not their enemy. I'm their ally because that like, you know, as we say, I'm their comrade. Like we're on the same side of this. There's a, there's a common enemy over there who has all the apples. You know what I mean? But I think that, I think those people are, and I will give them credit are trying to get other white people who are among their economic class to see it that way. 
and it's, it's it's a lot of unlearning you know what i mean like it's not an easy thing to learn. there's there's poor black people who think that way who think you know that crab is in a barrel concept where it's like you if you come up i can't come up yeah so it's very hard for them to see the world that way and i think the suburban white people don't care about those poor white people enough to care regardless so it's like even if we put those poor people on front street poor white people might care some of them will it'll click because like i said i saw that meme from a white person who was like if you grew up like i grew up you had the police beat up beat on you before so yeah. you should get this but yeah. i think those suburban white people won't get it regardless because they feel like the police aren't coming at them the police aren't like again they're not beating on my son they're not raping my daughter we're not the we're not the target so as long as they're not the target they're cool even if it is white people see i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm put like my privilege i'm gonna put my privilege on front street i was talking to my mom about this either today or yesterday and we were talking about the whole concept of defunding the police right and I was telling her that, like, you know, for many communities, we haven't been police in years, right? Like, and I was telling her, like, growing up, you know, it, it, in Lakeland, Florida, and, and we weren't, like, super rich or something. We would, like you mentioned, we weren't, like, super rich. We were just okay to get by, right? Um, but the crazy part is, in our community that we were in, we, there was no policeman police in our area. You didn't see, like, anyone driving by. So, like, we didn't have anything to kind of worry about or deal with when it comes to this. So, so like, it's interesting seeing people like from the middle class and even like upper middle class are so afraid of this, of this defunding uh, police idea when they haven't been policing years. Like you don't even remember the last time you seen like a policeman really drive in your community and check it out. Like that doesn't happen. You know what I'm saying? Um, but uh, I just think that it could be interesting to be more inclusive with all this stuff. We could start thinking about other people, um, and maybe they could help the movement some. I, mean, I think um, if we start doing, and I don't want to make everything, because I'm not the person that says it's class, not race. I'm not that dude. But I do think it would be helpful for us to kind of try to um, introduce people that way by class so that they can understand the race concept a little bit better. But uh, I haven't studied enough to know, and maybe I sound like a Republican, but I'm just asking, I'm just asking that particular thing about class, you know, in an interesting way. Um, but let me bring Xavier on here. Do you think I sound crazy or do you think I'm too hopeful or you, what, what, how you feel? I definitely think that it would be, I definitely think that it would, that we would see better results if more people rose up to stand against injustice. And I really do think that we, that working together like I think, and I think Deshaun was actually mentioning something about that uh, just a second ago, uh, just discussing um, how it's more of like I think he used the, term, the phrase uh, "rainbow coalition." Yeah, how that would be something that'd be a lot more effective because we aren't the only ones. As I, and I was mentioning that before about how sometimes police brutality is above just like black people, but you know it can, you know, there are different, you know, components to it or whatever. Um, so I, I like you. I think I, I think we're kind of on the same plane, um, a little bit as far as like trying to figure out how we can work together collectively to see some of the, some of the growth and some of the change. Just how to make that happen is difficult. Yeah, and it's yeah. not quite clear. But the, and that will need to be because they're definitely. I mean, we've been to protests. I went to protest with Deshaun, and I know people who went to protest. And there are a lot of white people that are like, "All right, we're here." Like, what do we do? Like, how do we handle it? Like, where do we go from here? And so we've been trying to, like, coach them along or whatever. So I'm not going to say that we shouldn't, like, that we should, like, shut them all out. If they're willing to, like, look, if they're willing, and even, I, and I don't know if it's right to say this, but even if it's to use it for our benefit, mm -hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? To where like even if it's it may not it may be like where they're like they don't really care, but I mean if they're on the petition, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Kind of thing and you know, and help it to, to grow toward the things that we need in order for this for the change to happen. But at the same time we do need people who are gonna be legit about it, not just doing it because it's trendy, you know what I'm saying? To do it, but to do it because they have a conviction that what's been going on isn't right. And because if they don't, if they just do it now because of fad, we have stuff like, you know, when you get down to the, uh, to the Rashad Brooks case, you know what I'm saying? People start jumping ship like real quick, you know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden it's not really Black Lives Matter no more. It's like, mm, let me, I'm not really sure. Like, let me mute my mic real quick, you know, like kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And so, um, it's like, so it's, it's a, it's difficult. And I think that's not phase one in this, but I definitely think that, being able to band together across the entire spectrum to see uh, systemic change happen is something that we do need because we already know that for hundreds of years, black people have been trying to make the change and it's been, it's been happening, but it's been mad, 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 mad slow. And yeah. we'd be, we, I think we'd be wise to be able to elicit some help from the people from other races who are burdened and passionate about it as we are and be able to stand for, uh, stand for some change and so i don't think you're crazy long story short all right so dj i want to i want to kind of close it up a little soon i know it's getting dark out there i don't want mosquitoes to eat you up too much um but go ahead and uh it, is there anything else am i crazy do you think do you think i'm crazy for trying to to do to have like you know more people included or what do you what do you think no man that's that's not crazy it's it's really necessary um and I'll just put it like this, like the, the way that uh, we see police, obviously, in this country, especially right now, it's just in a super negative light, you know, even though, yeah, you got pockets of people who stand with you, whatever, um, you know, it's in a really negative light. And I don't know, like for I can speak for myself, I can speak for a lot of the people that I work with, you know, we're, we're working towards being the change within the department, within just policing in this country in general to make it better, you know, and to let the public know. And I'm not just talking about like the white community over here or whatever. I'm talking about my entire city, you know, just working towards letting them know that we're here for you. We stand with you and we're not here to abuse you. We're here to serve you. But even though you have a lot of officers that come out and say that, you still kind of get some pushback when you when you try to stand with people, I guess, because just because they look at you and they're like, ah, nah, you the enemy, you're an officer. And I think in the same way, you know, subconsciously or consciously, I'm like, we we do that with like the white community and all sorts of, and other people, you know. So I, I really do think that basically we need to stop seeing this as just our problem and see it as like, look, as a country, this is our problem. This isn't just like a black community problem. Uh, just, just, I say that because, you know, if you look up stats on police brutality and all that good jazz, you see that it affects everybody. I mean, um, you know, I the way I always put it to people when they ask me about bad cops or whatever, I'm like, you know, we're people too. So if you're a racist jerk before you started doing this job if you get hired 
you know what I'm saying? So I, I think one of the best ways that we could also bridge that gap is just, you know, I was talking to my dad about it. You know, I personally would love to go into minority communities and just recruit people like, yo, I know you probably never thought about this job before, but give it a chance. Come do it because we need other, if we need other faces in the department too, to help push that change along as well, that starts somewhere. And, you know, I, I really do think that we have a lot of kids who are growing up in minority communities or poor communities who are, it's so ingrained in them to avoid the police that they never even think about coming to do the job, even though they'd probably be some of the best qualified people to do it. Um, so I, I don't know. I, there's just a whole lot to the issue, in my opinion. You know, it, it's not just like a one answer, uh, you know, thing. There's so much that we need to do uh, if we really want to end police brutality. And I mean, it starts in the department. It starts out the department. I mean, it's, it's all over the place to me. Yeah, that's good. So I want to close this out here. I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm going to close this out right, you know, right now. I'm going to make a little statement here that you guys might disagree on. And if and it's, you disagree on, that's okay. We'll bring you on a different time uh, to maybe address what I'm about to say right now. But I'll say this. To a lot of my white brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm going to say this for you. Um, my goal when I'm talking about these particular things, I think a lot of times when people are, are saying things, they think that we want like my goal is for black people and white people and Hispanic and everyone to get along. And I think that on a micro level, that's true, but I'm looking at things on a macro level. Like my goal is not just for you to be nicer to black people. My goal is not for black people to be nicer to you. My goal is not for policemen to just be nicer to us. My goal is looking at things on a systemic issue and thinking, okay, I want you to start caring about things on a systemic level. I want, because the thing is, I think for some of us, we are all, we're only looking at relational. We're only looking at, man, I want um, uh, white people to like, to be nicer to black people and black people nicer to, to white people. And we love these images of, of, of us linking together. And that's all good on a micro level, but how are we going to do, what are we doing to help for systemic change? Because what ends up happening is a lot of times, uh, all of us, we like to say, man, the problem is sin and, and uh, that's cool. But at the same time, you, we've got to start doing things that are going to be helpful systemically. Like, what are we going to be doing with the criminal justice system? Because the criminal justice system is over-criminalizing Black people. What are we doing about that? I want you to care about that particular thing. I don't want you just teaching your young, your, um, young sons and young daughters not to be racist. That's not good enough for me. I want you to start looking at the ways that the this country seems to over police look at the ways that this country seems to over criminalize look at how this country in the healthcare system how it's it's sad that our our black women are what i think is four times as likely to die when it comes to um you know pregnancy than a white woman is like that's a problem in our healthcare system like why are some of those things happening like we need to start looking at systemically this country and looking at the things that black people are are disproportionately affected by and find ourselves and be the gap in those areas to see what we can do to help it systemically see a lot of us are looking at relational things and that's cool but i'm looking at systemic things what can you do and sit back and say man is it on a is it just voting is it writing legislation what can we do because it's not just being nice to other people, but about looking at the issues and problems that the black community faces. Some of you sit, sit back all day long talking about abortion, like, oh, I don't want abortion to happen. Well, a lot of times why abortions happen is because of economic reasons. So what can we do in these communities so that they can economically be better? 
What can we do in these communities to help the issues, the root issues, so that we don't see the big issues blow up um, for us as well? So there's a lot of things that we can do to help our communities, but it's not just us being nice to each other. I just want you to think about that. But anyways, man, this, I, um, if you listen to this podcast, like, man, Shelton, you're absolutely, you're so weird. You're so right. If you listen to the podcast, I'm like, man, you're definitely a pastor's kid. You are correct as well. This is a weird pastor's kid podcast. Thank you for listening.